Hi, and welcome back to the Humans Inside the Pods. My latest conversation was with Hugo, a 19-year-old French exchange student who joined K9 in 2019. Listening to his perspective on his life in the house felt like a great lesson of maturity coming from the youngest resident K9 had at the time. He tells us about how he got into the house, how he found his place in the community, and how much he's learned and grown there. He reminds us that we all have prejudice and make mistakes, and he shares vulnerable stories that meant a lot to him as learning experiences in the house. As he puts it, Canine is a beautiful place with beautiful souls, but it's also full of humans. We hope you enjoy this dive into Hugo's vision of co-living. Hi, Hugo. How are you? Hi, Mo. How are you? I'm good. I am great. Very happy to have you on. That's my pleasure. <laughs> As usual, I'm going to ask you to start by uh, introducing yourself, and then we'll mm -hmm. just dive in from there. Okay. Uh, so my name is Hugo. I moved in K9 when I was uh, 18 years old, so that made me the youngest person ever living in K9. I think there's between me And uh, and I'm I'm wondering Sophia was Sophie she wasn't 18 when she moved in. Uh, oh no, it's Nico. It's, it's Nico. 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 Yeah, yeah, Nico. Nico. Younger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Nico that was the same age, uh, something <laughs> like this. Um, I moved in K9 because I was going to study in Stockholm for one full year uh, in the, the political science department. That's my studies. I study political sciences uh, in France, and I just studied one year in in, in Stockholm. Um, and I moved in K9 very randomly. I was looking for a place to live, and and uh, I applied. That's the first uh, place I applied as a co-living in in uh, in Stockholm. And I said, okay, in in, in general, uh, I said, okay, I just want to send my application there. And uh, and then I had the interview, and I thought, oh, that would be amazing to live here. And then I finally I got the email back on Stefan, and I got accepted there. Um, that's a bit of my story, uh, introducing to K9. Um, but on, on the more personal, uh, point, I had never lived with other people than my family. <laughs> so, so moving to K9 was, was a bit of a challenge for me. Um, yeah. and I, I also have, like, I, I like being in control sometime of what I am doing and, and in which environment I am. So mm. moving in K9 was overall, that was a very big challenge for me. So why did you, I mean, okay, now I, you, you talked for like five seconds. And I feel like I have so many questions already. This is, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to organize my, my thoughts. So no worries. maybe first, was it a big family uh, that you lived with or was it like? That was, uh, it's, I mean, my parents got a divorce when I was 12. So most of the time that was just my sister and I plus one mm -hmm. of the parents Um, I had lived for six months with my uh, um, stepmother, stepmother, mm -hmm. and and my uh, stepbrothers, uh, but just just for six months. So mm -hmm. I have lived only with my family uh, ever since, and there was like three people overall most of the time, yeah. except when I was with my cousins and grandparents. But I'm not. I was like really not used to have a lot of noise and things going on yeah. around me. <laughs> and so, what what made you? go for K9. I mean, you could have looked for a bit more options, even though I know as a, an exchange student, it's not easy to <laughs> yes, get a place to live in Stockholm. It, actually, it's very, very not easy to find a place. Uh, that, was, that was really out of desperate. I really needed a place <laughs> to live. And, and, and uh, I, I, 
like really that was the state of mind out of desperate and when mm. i arrived in k9 when i just got out of the of uh, the station in stockholm which is stadion uh in a beautiful neighborhood and i thought okay this is the place i might live in and then i went to the building a beautiful building just across the street from the french embassy so that gives you an idea of where, where how the place looks like and mm. i climbed the stairs uh red carpet on the on the floor and mirrors on the walls uh that was really amazing and i went into place and we went to the zen room and at the beginning that was such an act of desperation and then that became a dream in in one hour two hours uh so that was really not an inten intentional act even when i applied i've just been through the website very very fast And and mm. I didn't realize what it was. I just saw that's a place where I can live and not live in the street. And and <laughs> like just after the interview, I realized I really wanted to live there. Uh, mm. And I received the answer very very fast from Stefan. And also I, I had a good feeling because I, I chit chat a little bit with uh, with Stefan and and Mickey uh, right after. Um, mm. And they told me that my not my life, but what I was doing, they, they had re a real interest in what I was doing. So they wanted to ask me more questions. So I had a good feeling that I might get in. But uh, yeah, just two days or three days after I had the answer. And when do you want to move in? Yeah, you have a spot right now if you want. So um, yeah, that was starting very low and it ended up very high in terms of expectations. That's awesome. Yes. I, I, I can totally relate to that. I think I had the same. <laughs> But um, what type of room did you get? I was living in a double room. I, I first moved in with uh, Daniel. We moved in the mm -hmm. same month. Uh, I had the room for myself just two days and then he moved in. Uh, so, that, yeah, that was, that was not a corner room. There was, that was a double room uh, in the second floor. Mm. So where there's most, of the, most of the people go for the things. So it's really not the quietest uh, place. Uh, and there's a lot of activity going on. But, uh, yeah, Daniel was a very, like, private and quiet person. So that went, that went very, very good. And then I mm. moved in. And then Albert moved in. And he's kind of the same person, like private and silent and everything. And we, yeah. I got along very well with the two of them. So that was, that was very good. That's awesome. Yeah, because you mentioned that you were someone who likes to be in control yes. and not used to this type of living. How was... Like, how did you feel the first few days? Like, you arrived, first, it's a foreign country. Yes. It's, uh, so what was the process for you of it? Um... Um, well, when I moved in K9, I was already really involved in, in what uh, was going to be my life in Stockholm. I had applied for uh, my Model United Nations program. I, have been, I had been recruited for the Noble Nightcap project. So I was not really focusing on what K9 was because I had to study and I had to attend all of this project. So it took, uh, I would say, a long time to realize what it meant, really. And actually, it didn't change much. Um, the first thing that really made me realize that I was living in a co-living was when the fire alarm just got triggered at eight in the morning, just two days after I moved in. And we like, I met most of the people that moment when we were just in the streets, in the cold street of Stockholm on, on, on October, waiting for the fire people to come around. And, and yeah, that was, I, I realized, okay, I'm not living alone right now. There's so many people getting out of this door. But that, was, that <laughs> wasn't really difficult to live with someone else. I'm, I think I would say that I can like, adapt to most of the things. I think the biggest uh, problem that I had is that I like to sleep with the curtains open. 
and that uh, neither Daniel nor uh, uh, Albert liked it. So <laughs> I would say that was oh the, the biggest challenge. <laughs> I can so understand that I'm the same. I love <laughs> having the curtains open. I hate curtains yes. to start with. <laughs> I love the lights. I need light. And uh, yeah, it's the same. I always had people who closed the curtains. <laughs> but it wasn't... Who won? Uh, we we Did didn't you... know like when he was going to, to sleep at last and he didn't close the curtain of that's a good that's a good uh, transition did you guys because uh, you mentioned that you moved in almost at the same time as daniel mm -hmm. did you kind of like sit down and decide how you guys were gonna share the space and if there was any rules or was it more kind of like casual and it kind of worked out itself so Daniel got the room, actually, and he was the one interviewing other people to make his final choice. Uh, uh -huh. So that, that's the way it happened. Uh, I think there were many rooms available at that moment, so I would eventually have received like another attribution, another room uh, to move uh, in K9 in October. Uh, but in, Daniel invited me at his place, and we would chit-chat a little bit, like, who, you, who are you, what do you do in your life, what do you feel? And Daniel is very into... into mental things like what is your state of mind and 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 everything so we, we we talked about that a little bit and without telling me that i got the position in not the position but the the, the bed in the room uh he, he asked me how would you do this and i would do that um do you feel comfortable with that kind of things and everything so um, things were already like settled down when we moved in together mm -hmm. uh we didn't really have to talk about things he just asked me do you want the upper bed or the bed like just a l the lower one and mm -hmm. uh i said i would like to have the top one and he said okay then just like take it and we nice. shared yeah we we didn't really have to share the space um we had like shelves and everything that we said mm -hmm. okay i would like to have this one because i have that type of material and everything um things like ended up naturally uh and when i was taking too much space he was just like pushing things so that i knew and i could see that i was like um stepping on his floor and things like this uh mm. that was overcoming the borders and and <laughs> i was doing the same when he was doing uh, like putting things on my part of the room or things like this but yeah we've been very tolerant with each other that's lovely great it's great when it happens this way i think when it's more like um organic right it's mm. just like it happens and you don't have to to fight <laughs> yeah and also i also i think it's very good when it happens in sweden because swedes are not really good at communicating uh, things let's say uh it's it, like for them it's either there's a conflict or there's no conflict and when there's no conflict there's no reason to speak so yeah, I'm I'm happy that we didn't have to reach the conflict zone, and that we didn't even have to go to the zone where he couldn't speak, or maybe he reached that that zone and that state of mind. But I, I couldn't say because Swedes don't know. <laughs> Swedes don't talk. <laughs> there was no post-it. No, I noticed that they leave a lot of post-its. No, because... no, there was no post-it. So I guess everything went fine. <laughs> so you're good. You're good. <laughs> How did it feel to be one of uh, to be the youngest in the house? Uh, I'm... Was it something that you really felt was obvious for you, or it was it didn't matter? 
The first time I feel old compared to other people is when is this year uh, when I had to move back to France because uh, the people in my school are one or two years younger than me most of the time because the the student the master students we don't really see them so I'm among mm. the the oldest like students in 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 the, in the school uh, but before I've always been the youngest uh, all the time um, I was born at the end of two thousand so in September. So, of course, I'm always the younger in my class. And, and also, when I was in exchange, most of the people that go in exchange, they are way younger than that. Uh, nobody goes abroad when they are 18. So, um, I've always had to be the youngest person. So, that was kind mm -hmm. of natural feeling when I moved in K9 and I was the youngest. But it never meant that I had to shut up or to be less important than anyone else. I had this very interesting discussion about hydrogen-powered cars uh, with Mike, who like, works in, in how to build uh, ecological cars, and he's an engineer. And I had this very interesting discussion with someone who's like 10 years, 15 years older than me about that. And I never had to feel or I never felt that I was the youngest and that I didn't have to state my mind or anything. And mm. when I had to talk during the house meetings and things like this, everyone listened to what I said. And that was, that was I think, a very important part of, of growing as I grown during this exchange because uh, that wasn't my family. That wasn't teachers. That was just people that I was living with on a very equal basis. I was paying my rent the same way they did. So I felt this very, like, unusual equality between them and I. And that was... Not weird. That was kind of a relief to see that I could like have my space there. Mm -hmm. I I I admire that. I love that. I noticed that. I uh, <laughs> I think. I mean, you you come across as someone who uh, is really engaged in the different activities or passion projects on top of what you already do uh, at school, uh, and you really. I mean, from my perspective, when you were speaking up or like leading projects, you really like, okay, I don't know how to express myself properly, but <laughs> Go ahead. You, you spoke up, you spoke up at, at house meetings and you were really like articulate and organized and it never, never really uh, occurred to any of us to be like, oh, but you know, he's the young one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in, in K9, it's more like we don't really talk about age. I mean, we like to know just because it's fun to see the, the scope. It's like, oh, someone's 53 and someone's 19 <laughs> and we all get together and it's wonderful. But it's more like you have the, the newcomers and then eventually they, they kind of like merge with the, the old people. I mean, not old, <laughs> but in the sense that people have lived there longer and then you have the alumni. Yeah. But there's not so much talk around age. I mean, I, I, I don't really know most people's ages. Like, yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's very surprising actually in K9 to realize how some people can be older than others when they actually you look very young. I think uh, Jonathan Ceballos is older than Nikki, which is something that was unbelievable for me. Uh, come on. <laughs> but we never have... Yeah, Jonathan yeah. looks so young. Yes, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they, like, one of them looks like older because it's like boring or something like this. It's just like, you know these people because you live with them. And sometimes you have to realize yeah. that somehow some of them are older and some of them are younger. And and mm. it doesn't have to make sense. It's just like you realize that sometimes prejudices, they're pointless and they don't mean oh anything. And I think we don't really have 
um, prejudices in, in canine. And that's why we were so shook to realize people's age, because we never really thought about that. But we realized that deep inside, we had the like intuition that someone was younger mm -hmm. or someone was mm -hmm. older. It's so true. I mean, that really, really teaches you that age is just a number. Yeah. And I think school kind of like mm. format, formats us around that because you're always in the same, at least from like four years old until you're like 20, 23, maybe the people in your class are always your age. And you're kind of like have this idea that these are your friends. You have to make friends with this group of people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's much rarer to have uh, friends who are, you know, 10, 15 years older or younger than you. Yes. And it's, yeah, Kenline really taught me that I could, yeah, get along. That, that's, that was the first time I had to get along as a mm. friend with somebody who was 10 years older than me and more. Uh, usually it is, these are people that you know in your life but are your aunt, exactly. uncles, uh, uh, like older cousins, mm -hmm. um, friends of your parents or so. And the first time you have, I had to like meet someone as a friend, that was in K-9, when that person was older, like mostly older mm -hmm. than me. And that's, that's really crazy and counterintuitive mm -hmm. things. Uh, and I, I don't think that that would have happened uh, a long time before I, um, I had to engage in the, into the like, markets, working yeah. markets. When you get into a company, that makes sense. Not when you're 18 and just arriving at a, from university. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, so it kind of like, it speeds up the process in a way. Uh, mm, yeah. Completely. I love that. But overall, canine makes you older. Uh, it makes you not older in, your, in the way you think. It makes your brain older because it's so many and so much as... Um, as experiences and has and as um, as yeah, I it's it's hard to explain, but in terms of feelings, you feel a thousand things in the same time, and and that's not usual. So you get very older in your way to um, I would say approach your your own yeah. feelings. Um, uh, there's someone in the house, and I wouldn't say his name because I'm not sure he would like me to tell that. But it's someone who states himself that he cries every day. And and that makes perfect sense when you live in oh, K9. Yeah. That's that yeah. Totally yeah, understandable. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm the one who told you that, but I think I, I did. No. Uh, no, of course. I I agree. I mean I I think I said it once. I mean I, I repeat myself a lot on those podcasts, I apologize. Uh, but I think <laughs> I said it that for me, K9 is some kind of human accelerator, you know. It's like mm -hmm. you, absolutely. I've, I've lived there three years, but it feels like I've learned and gained what I would have in maybe six or eight years of life, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Good and bad, you know. It's like <laughs> I also feel yeah. very exhausted in a way. <laughs> and that, that's why I wouldn't with, withdraw when I what I said about it gets you older. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it really gets you older. And I wouldn't say like you stay young in your mind or things like this. No, it, it's not really true. Uh, it gets you older, it gets you more mature, but it also gets you a bit tired sometimes because it's not usual to have that much of, um, of feelings and, and to learn that much and to do that much and to have that much interaction yeah. with someone. It's not something natural and you have to learn mm -hmm. about that. And when I moved in, I had to go to my room sometimes or, or take the couch in the second floor and stay there by myself, 
like please don't sit there i know i wouldn't privatize this place but please like right now i just have to be myself because i know that in one hour i will go to the second floor kitchen and eat with people and then i will have to engage with in, in interactions which i can't right now so please leave me alone for five minutes and it doesn't have to be bad it doesn't have to uh, be negative to want to be alone wanting to be alone you like it's i think it's a very natural thing uh that you have to process we are social animals but to a certain extent and and sometimes even if you're spending the best day of your life you want to be alone because you have to process all the things that you've learned said discovered felt in the past yeah, hours that is very very true i had that too and i think that's why we have so many people on the podcast talking about uh, the honeymoon period and the burning out uh, because you, mm, you forget mm. at the beginning everything is so exciting that you want to take, 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 take and give as well. But there comes a point where you haven't had time to process, you haven't prioritized that and then mm. you're like, whoa, shit, my brain is going to explode and I'm feeling too much and I need to withdraw. Yeah. And yeah. Did you, did you feel that as well? Or maybe you were so engaged in other activities that you kind of survived that <laughs> period? <laughs> Um, that, that's, that's partly true for me, but also there's so something happened to me the first uh, night I spent in K9 that I wouldn't detail right now. Uh, but that made me realize that K9 is a beautiful place with beautiful souls, but it also means that it's full of humans. Uh, we are not better than anyone else that you would meet in the street. Mm -hmm. We are just humans and sometimes it's too much. And sometimes you have to take like things slow. And sometimes just canine is too much. And sometimes you have to move out of canine just to focus on yourself. It doesn't mean that you don't like the people living there, that you don't want to come back. It just means that, yeah, maybe five months without uh, living in canine just to process mm. things and to think about yourself. And I had to realize this very, very fast when I moved in canine. And uh, that made me understand that, okay, there will be an end to the honeymoon um, at some point. And I had the time to prepare for it, mm. I think, mm. because of what happened. Um, but it's actually very true also. Like the first time I, have, I had to climb the stairs, the, the hidden stairs, uh, that felt like, it feels like Harry Potter, really. The lights and, and, and it's dark and it's, there's like a carpet on the floor. And the first time you go there, it's amazing. But after five months, it doesn't feel the same, of course. It became usual. And it's sad that it became usual. But also... Uh, that shows that you have to grow, uh, I would say, grow out of, uh, of the magic at some point. Um, it's nice to always remember how it feels to discover and how amazed you were when you discover something amazing. Mm. But you also have to take these things and like grow with them. Um, you have to process and to, I don't know, to make yours and usual what is amazing every day in your life because you know that other things will come. And that's also why uh, you can't get attached to all the amazing things that you've been through. Um, I've loved literally all the places I've ever been, I think, in my life. Mm -hmm. Every countries, every places, every friends that I've met. But eventually you also have to grow them, process them, keep them somewhere in your heart, but not having too deep commitment to these things. I loved living in K9. That was really amazing. And I would like very much to go back there and to see all the amazing people, the amazing souls. And, and the place also is really amazing. Mm. But I'm not sure that right now I would move in back. Okay. Not right now. Mm. It's too soon. Yeah. 
How long have you been I gone? wouldn't be as... I've been gone three months. Okay. Yeah, it's very soon. Actually. Yeah. So it's very soon. I wouldn't be amazed as I used to be, and I would only see the bad things. Right. <laughs> what are the bad things? Shall we dive into that? The bad things, they are actually very common, and there's no things that you wouldn't go through living everywhere else. Mm. Uh, there's no such things as canine bad vibes, for example. There's just that sometime you have to be alone. Um, sometime living with 15, 50 human beings in a house in the heart of Stockholm is like, wow, too much. And, and sometime you don't want to have to do that good things that the community rules it dictates you to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't want the people to be sitting just right next to you, even though they fully have the right to do so, but you just need some space. Uh, sometimes you don't want people to play guitar in the, like across the room because right now you need to work. And okay, it's Sunday, and Sunday is supposed to be where you don't work. But right now you have to work yeah. because it's your studies. Mm. And people have the right to play guitar, and you can't forbid them to do so. Mm. But deep down in your heart, you would like to ask them to stop. Yeah. And I did that actually once. Um, that was horrible. I, I was in a very bad mood and I was working very hard on, on, a, on, a, on an essay that I had to hand in and I didn't like the topic of that. I was working on a Sunday evening. No, not Sunday evening. That was probably more, more likely the afternoon. And uh, Julian and Simon were playing guitar in the room. And at some point that was just too loud and too much and I just exploded and said, please, can you just fuck up? And like, stop doing this. Like, don't you see I'm working? And Julian, like, yeah, I didn't like what I said, of course. And, and, and I, Julian, I'm sorry again. But Simon, <laughs> who grew up in a co-living, he smiled and he perfectly knew what was happening. I think like, okay, sometimes just people don't make sense. And sometimes people are irrational. Yeah. And sometimes people are just people. Mm. Uh, and yeah. Seeing Simon smiling at me made me realize that I was probably not the first person to ever do that in front of him. Mm. And I was not weird. I was just being rude. And I was also being human, I guess. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. It's not, it's, uh, it's not easy to share uh, situations where you know you've maybe like, been a bit over the line. And, <laughs> but it's also very unjust- understandable, like, especially living on second. That was on second floor, right? Uh, that was that was in a working floor actually. A working floor. Uh, yeah. But that was during the, like that was during COVID, uh, where I couldn't go anywhere else mm, to work. Yeah. Uh, libraries were closed. University was closed. So the only place I could work with was there. Mm-mm. And yeah. It's uh, it's so hard to, and I think maybe when it's family, I mean chosen family in that in that case, but it's it's also easier to snap. I mean, I don't know. I mm. feel like you can. We're so used to be ourselves that sometimes mm. we're like maybe don't think about. I would probably not snap at my coworkers, but at home mm-hmm. I feel like okay, fuck it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and it, it's very interesting the way they reacted. Different reaction, different nationality, different experiences. It's, uh, mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that was that was not a good thing that I did. But I think. Like really seeing Simon smiling at me made me realize it's, I think it's just perfectly normal uh, yeah. to do that. It, it doesn't mean it's okay. Mm. And it doesn't mean I wasn't being rude and that I wasn't wrong. But it means that, okay, sometimes it's just like too much and you don't make sense anymore. 
because living with 50 other people Mm-mm. doesn't make sense, I think, for, for humans. Uh, just like this, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense in the social context I have been raised. Yeah. And you have to erase a lot of yourself, a, a lot of what you think is yourself to being a, in order to being able to, to live with 15 other people. For, for Simon, it makes sense. He grew up with, surrounded by other people. For me, it never made sense. Uh, my mother was asking me to do things at home and my sister was around and bothering me. Uh, there was no such things as I have to stay polite because someone is enjoying playing guitar with one of his friends in, across the room. Yeah. Never. Yeah, that's uh, it's very true. But it also shows that, yeah, we are normal. Like, like you said, mm. it doesn't make sense. And often when we talk to people about this experience, they're like, Okay, it must be a bunch of crazy people that are like either super hippie, kumbaya, whatever, or like something else. But no, we're just random regular people who snap at each other sometimes. But mm. most of the time, hopefully, the, the, the good outweigh the, the bad. And that's why we enjoy living there. But it, there mm. is bad as well. Yes, but I, would, I wouldn't say there's bad specific canine things. No, no. Or there's bad co-living specific bad things specifically mm-hmm. bad, bad things there's just like socials um um conditions yes. that just evolve yeah social yeah. situation that just could happen anywhere if you're yeah. sharing a space with other yeah. people yeah no i totally understand uh it's very very true but it doesn't make sense for people in sweden especially to live <laughs> with other people uh and and every time i had to bring i had it's not i had to but every time i brought friends at home Mm. Uh, when they were Swedish, that that didn't make sense for them. How can you be living there? It's amazing. They loved it, but they mm. would never. And every time I, I brought uh, international or French people at home, they felt very differently. They were yeah. like, oh, my God, it's amazing. I wouldn't move in, but it's amazing what you're doing. Uh, while uh, for the Swedes, that was, it's amazing that you are doing it. Because yeah. I would never. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't. And and yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's. I don't know. I, I don't know if I don't know if it's about being Swedish or not. I think it's about. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people, including me, we think we couldn't. I mean, before I thought I could. Yeah. But it's it's because we haven't tried, and it's true for so much things, so many things in life, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it's true. Some people just can't. Like some people are not made for this, but some people mm. are, and they just don't know it because they haven't had this. The opportunity to try and never never thought about it it was never proposed as an option right so yeah but also also it's not a work project or it's not like a suggestion it's about where you live Mm -mm. uh and and i think that some people thought they couldn't or they they moved in without realizing what it meant but when they had to eventually they just changed themselves instead of moving out uh we we have some private people in the house uh, but some of them they just changed when they moved in and some of them stayed like true to who they are and they were just maybe attending less the common events mm. uh, but I don't think that while I was living there someone moved out because he couldn't like do all the community thing no I only I only experienced one person moving out yeah because she just didn't like she didn't want to go live. <laughs> That's just yeah. 
uh, and that was three years ago, and I mm. I haven't heard it happen again. So <laughs> no, I I well I, while I was there, it didn't happen actually. Most mm-hmm. of people just have to when when you meet them for the first time during the interview, they're just a little bit shy and everything. And I think I was the same. But then you have to just change who like not who you are, but what you do. I don't think shy is who you truly are. I think it's just uh, a way you um, demonstrate to the society, a way you are presenting yourself to the society yeah. and to things. So I think you can just stop being shy when you really have to. And when you're yeah. sleeping uh, with uh, 50 people across the wall, I think you have to change and to adapt. <laughs> yeah, you have to remove the shy mask and show yeah. your true colors. Definitely. You truly have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have a, a moment, like, um, I ask that a lot, like, do you have a, a special moment that you remember, bad, bad or good, maybe good would be nice, uh, that really kind of, like, yeah, made an impression on you over your time at K9? Um, yes, th- there is one. And actually, I was, I was not looking for one when you said the specific moment. I immediately thought about this one. I was just wondering, should I maybe say another one than this one? But let's go for this one. Um, I, I, I received a call one day when I was uh, working in the second floor kitchen. And my mother told me that my grandma passed away. So that was really hard. Yeah, I, yeah that was, I think, the lowest point of my life ever. Um, I yelled, I screamed, I... I cried a lot. Mm. Uh, I, things didn't make sense around me. And, and um, yeah, Jonathan and Nico came around and they stayed with me like maybe one full hour without necessarily asking questions or like judging or things like this. And it was, mm. uh, they just stopped me from drowning. Uh, they, like there was kind of this exchange of, of energy that they were giving me what they could so that I didn't have to completely lose control of everything mm. so that I could just, things could make sense enough so that I could book it like a flight for this like the evening and pack my things and just stay alive instead of like completely losing it. Um, mm. that, that was, the, I would say, the, obviously it's not the happiest, uh, but it was the most powerful uh, moments in K9, that exchange of feelings, like I could basically feel the energy they was gi- they were giving me. Um, yeah, they were That's wonderful. very powerful things that happened that moment. Um, mm. And it happened a lot of other times because uh, I really had to speak about it. And I spoke a lot with, about that with Jennifer when I moved back uh, after I, I went. I went in France for for the um, uh, enterrement, the How would you, for the funerals, for the funerals. of course, for the funerals. I went back, and, and then I went back to Stockholm, and I had to talk about it. That that was that was very like that was a changing moment of my life. So I spoke a lot about that with Jennifer, uh, for example, and I felt that exchange of energy multiple times uh, mm-hmm. after that. But that was the first and most powerful time I felt that in K9. And if I had to leave alone and to learn these things while I was alone and to process everything, like process the few first hours alone, I don't know how it would have happened. Uh, things made sense because there were people around me, people that I had met one month, two months ago, and mm. they were still here to, without judging, without doing anything. 
that could make things worse. It was just yeah. giving me energy. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Mm. I love it. I'm getting goosebumps. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, uh, such a lovely. Uh, I mean, as you say, it's not a happy story, but it's mm. also very. Yeah, it it does make sense to me who's mm. lived there, and I understand what you're talking about, and I think that's wonderful that they were there for you, mm. even without having to talk or ask you anything, mm. just mm. being present and holding space. Yeah, I think it's so so good. That that's I think that says a lot, and I I think the people listening and hearing about this story, uh, it doesn't really make sense, but I think that if people can understand truly what is my story about this, Mm-mm. they could really touch from their fingers and their hearts, what is canine? I think it's a very meaningful story. Yeah, very much so. Thanks for sharing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'm unfortunately, I have to start booking two hours uh, blog time. (laughs) I'm getting conscious of the time, but I still have just a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you live right now, actually? I think you mentioned before we start recording that you're living with people yeah i'm living i have two roommates uh obviously after living in k9 i couldn't even think one second living all by myself uh from now i think and for my entire life uh but yeah i'm i'm living in a yeah 60 square meters apartment in the heart of stockholm in the heart of grenoble Uh, with two roommates and Mm -hmm. and it's i think i'm more used than them to live with other people. So I think I can uh, deal with the situation better than they do because you, mm. you're not taught how to live with other human beings that are not your family. So maybe I can, sometime I just have to say, okay, what's happening right now is not unusual. Uh, yeah. It's just normal when you live with people that doesn't have the same familial uh, culture, I would say. Uh, for example, uh, who is in charge of uh, emptying the dishwasher and things like this. Uh, very, very practical things that people don't know how to deal with when they are not with their family because they don't, we, don't have this simply, we don't have the same habits than others. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And would you say, so from 50 to, to now three people, mm-hmm. do you have a sense or a feel of what would be your perfect number? That would be something between these two, of course. Um, mostly because it doesn't take much before, it doesn't take a long time before you realize that you wouldn't have to uh, have interactions with 50 people in the same time. Uh, uh, maybe every day you will talk, on, like on average, you'll talk with 15 people uh, when you live in K9. You don't have to talk with everyone in the same time. And even when there are parties and everything, you would just say hello to most of the people. Um, it doesn't mean that you're staying with specific people. Every day you will talk to different people. But you don't, yeah. you don't have to have interactions with everyone at the same time. So I would say that there's, there are a number of people that is too much. Because it's not that they are, they're not bringing anything to your life. But on every day, they wouldn't matter, I would say. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They would be too much to have interactions with. Um, mm. I think twenty-five. It gives the space for two people to like not be there sometime and be there sometime. Uh, yeah. I think twenty-five makes sense. I like that. I agree. I think it's also my number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to say it. Think about it this way: is that 
I think I need about around 10 to 12 people around me at all times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you're 25, I can imagine that there's always going to be 10 people who are either working or traveling. So it gives me kind of what I need. Yeah. So that's how I, I think about I it. Did, so. I did the same math, actually, I think, uh, saying that between <laughs> 10 and 15 people gives you the opportunity to see various people during a day. And then they can have yeah. like rotations. Not every day, not every day the same people. Yeah, that's. I think that's. Uh, yeah, completely agree with that. Um, I think that brings me to my last question. I ask everyone, uh, and it's um, what makes a home for you. Uh, uh, there's the sentence from K9 that says that home is where the heart is. I don't think there's much to add to that. Uh, there's no such things as home uh there's just places where you are at home i think you will define your own home uh there's there's no places where you i mean saying i have to go home is practical but doesn't mean doesn't really mean anything and i think that for the rest of me living in this apartment where i'm living right now canine will always be more home than this place uh but Mm -hmm. nothing will ever be home as my the place I grew up in, than than this place, of course. You're defined Very like true. home is where you uh, decide it is, and I think I made very long sentences to just uh, go deeper on the sentence that simply states home is where the heart is. Mm-mm. Very true. Very, I mean, I think we all we we circulate around that sentence. Mm. All of mm. us, you know, we're like we try to because it's probably the first thing that comes to mind, and then we're like, okay, I need to kind of maybe expand. But then, the the, the core of the <laughs> message is that, yeah, and we can't just we can't escape no, it. I think I I think it's also very true, and that's why we're just trying to mm. uh, differentiate ourselves from each other's. But eventually, we just have to realize that yeah, K nine is home, and even for people who moved out a long time ago, K nine is home. And why it is that because mm-hmm. you love this place. That's that's love that defines that. Yeah. Awesome. Oh. No. Thank you so much. <laughs> Brings back something. <laughs> what a lovely Yeah. What a lovely way to, to end this. But thank you so much, Hugo, for taking the time. Thank you, Morgan, for the invitation. And um, for having uh, for being my first French person <laughs> on the podcast. I'm happy. I'm really, really happy. And uh, yeah, if I haven't said it enough when we were, you, we were living together, it was a pleasure. Oh, to thank live you. Together. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I wish you all the best for uh, what's to come for you. And your <laughs> thank you very much. And keep going with the podcast. I think it's, it's important. Thanks for staying until the end. As I was re-listening to our conversation, editing this, I realized how touched I was by the relevance of Hugo's words and observation over our life as a 50 people collective and as individuals. And even though I'm 15 years older than him, I'm reminded once again that age really is just a number. I really hope to see you again next week as I share a new conversation with a new caliber.